0: guys, I want to tell you a little bit about type one lifting. So type one lifting is a clothing brand that proceeds of the shirts, the hats, and everything else go to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. This whole t-shirt company started from me taking care of a five-year-old girl from the emergency department at the Children's Hospital I worked at in Atlanta for a while back. Um, I thought I needed to do a little bit more than kind of just talk about my story. So this is how I started the clothing line because I wanted to show people that even though diabetics have this really bad disease we can still do amazing things in our life and diabetes won't stop you know stop us reaching our goals so go check out type1lifting.com and um you know if you have any questions you can always reach me out on instagram it's type one lifting and hope you guys enjoy the show hey guys we have a new sponsor for the type one lifting podcast the company's called liberte lifestyle so Liberté is a French word meaning freedom, and the company was founded on the desire to have freedom to choose what we want to do with our lives. I actually had the owner, um, Nicole, on my podcast on episode 28, so if you want to go back and listen to her, um, she talks about how she started the company and what she wants to do in the future with the company, which is pretty cool. So uh, they actually have knee sleeves, wrist wraps, shirts, shorts. Uh, Love the knee sleeves. I have the ice cream knee sleeves and I love them so much they haven't the neoprene still good uh, the seams haven't split compared to other uh, knee sleeves that I have had in the past uh, and I'm planning to keep these for a very very long time so uh, Nicole actually gave me a promo code for you guys too so it's all capital letters type and the number one so it's type one so go to libertelifestyle.com uh, check out what they have in the store use the promo code type one and save some coin now let's go to the episode. All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Type One Lifting Podcast. I have a great guest. She is a coach, podcaster, and content creator, Claire Bays. How you doing?
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Shout out to Xander for connecting us.
0: Yeah, he's he's Mr. Connector. So he and like That's him true. and him and Victor from the Touch and Go Gang have yep. connected me to everybody, which is insane. It's like the amount of in- people that they know. It's it's. I'm like that- I. Tr- I don't know. It's crazy.
1: Well, and once you, once you get further into the community, like at large, the more you realize how tight knit it actually is. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really cool thing for, I don't, I don't know how much you relate to this, but definitely for someone who's spectated from afar for so many years to now be so much more involved in CrossFit. And, uh, and, and it's been really cool over the last couple of years to get to know everyone and be like, wow, this thing is actually really small. And these people are doing incredible things and I admire the heck out of them, but they are people, you know, yes, just true, like true. Else.
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I knew, um, you, we did talk earlier, so you do know a little bit about diabetes. So how does, how does diabetes come into your life?
1: Yeah. So on my father's side of the family, diabetes is certainly a uh, type one and two situation. And so my father's mother was type one, and my dad has both one and two, I think is the appropriate way to put it. He certainly, uh, just neglected it heavily mm-hmm. and for his entire adult life. And, uh, has a, re- and he was morbidly obese. And so he has, uh, he has had open heart surgery. He's had a number of different surgeries. He is now insulin dependent. Uh, he just neglected his health really, really for a long time. And mm-hmm. as a result is now. Living a quality of life that is a result of that, which is really unfortunate. So, my father's diabetic. Uh, my sister was, which she's amazing and wonderful, and she's been on a wellness journey and it's so cool, but she's been impacted by obesity specifically. Uh, for her whole life, she, I think she was maybe five years old by the time that she was morbidly obese, and so oh. it's something that I grew up around, and so of course have known friends that are type one, and had my grandmother type one, which are you know different things, but definitely aware of how much diabetes, like yeah, I mean the friends that I had that had to regularly check their levels, you know, I mean it's just it's it changes the game. So thankfully, I do not struggle with diabetes, and. And was able to recognize that that type two that was modeled for me was something I desperately wanted to fight back against. And uh, I've just done a lot of work to, to not allow that to be my journey.
0: So So you were from Oklahoma and now you moved to Austin, Texas. So I've, Mm -hmm. I've been there before I was actually stationed for my two week annual tour at San Antonio. And we did like a little tour to Austin. And of course, like, where would you go? Like sixth street, whatever it is, it, it's, it? sixth street. So it's like, you just yes. go right down that strip and uh, it was, it was cool. And then I saw the, um, Lance Armstrong's bike shop too, cause I was a huge Lance Armstrong guy.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. He actually, we just had South by Southwest and he was here doing all sorts of events for that.
0: Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, mm-hmm. um, being from a very small town to Austin. So what, what was your whole thought process of like even going there?
1: Oh, this story is is a it's very deep in CrossFit, so this ties well.
0: Okay,
1: (laughs) Um, I was not looking to move out of Oklahoma at all. I was plenty happy there, and I say that I I was. Um, So I I was in real estate for a number of years I was Mm -hmm. a real estate agent and that was a comfy cozy job for me I had the opportunity I was well networked in Oklahoma I lived I grew up in a small town Shawnee Oklahoma and then about 45 minutes from there is downtown Oklahoma City and 25 minutes from that is Norman which is Mm -hmm. where I lived which is where Oklahoma University is so anyway as far as like it was the most city feel you were going to get in Oklahoma And so I was well-networked there, moved there as an adult and lived there doing real estate for a number of years, was able to say, oh, well, I make a good living here and it's cheap to live here and the people are really nice. Mm -hmm. And so I just stayed. And I actually didn't move to Austin until the week of my 30th birthday. Okay. And so, yeah, and that was last year. So, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma and and the, the moving to Austin was because... Uh, my relationship with wit fitness. I went to work for wit fitness and which they're based in the UK. And so they were working on an operation in the U S mm-hmm. and heavily involved in the CrossFit space. And, uh, the, the founder of that company, Dan Williams, he and I are still good friends, but so I did a road show for them last year. And I had originally, I think that the CrossFit games 2021 was the first time I worked for that company, uh, just at the games. It was totally on a whim and got to meet them and kind of grew that relationship. And next thing you know, I'm shutting down my business and moving to a new state. And then they just had some internal changes. They had a lot of changes occur within the company. And as a result, I was not retained. And so I flopped in Austin and did not have a job. (laughs) And so it was, it was a very interesting transition. It was scary, but it was so obvious immediately that like, it was in alignment. Like this mm-hmm. place is such a Mecca for wellness. And so, although it was scary and I didn't know what my next move was, I had accumulated a handful of certifications for coaching and, um, you know, just had had the wonderful luxury of doing a lot of networking on behalf of brands and things so that when I got here, I had a good network set up to just kind of launch in and figure it out. So I've been nice. here less than a year.
0: Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So, so obviously like you know, you being at that small town, like some people like stay and become like townies. Was your yeah. thought ever to like, you know, y- am I going to be one of those t- townies like, you know, living in Oklahoma the whole time?
1: Yeah. I, it's a good question. I definitely knew that like I was eager to get out of the town that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And I still know people that live there to this day that I think highly of. So it's not a knock at individuals. Oh, yeah. I definitely yeah, yeah. was like, but I was just like an angsty kid. Like yeah. I, I did not play sports growing up. I did not there like the structure (laughs) there, there was not. Right. And so (laughs) um, I like moved out of my parents' home when I was 17 and went to work as a, as a, uh, let's see here. First step was at IHOP actually. And anyway, so um, I knew I wasn't going to stay in my hometown, but I went to Norman, which was like for Oklahoma, like that was big. And and yet again, I just, I kind of fell in there and, and had such a, good network. Like I knew everybody in the town. And Mm -hmm. so it was easy for me to just kind of get comfy cozy there. And so, yeah, I don't know. I knew I was going to not be in my hometown, but to be honest, I didn't anticipate living somewhere like Austin, or I certainly never had ambition of like, I'm sure we'll get into some of the like personal brand building stuff. And like, none of that was ever an aspiration until it was just like, Oh, oh shoot okay wow this is an opportunity maybe we do this <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah that's cool that's cool yeah. so um with, with me I'm like kind of a creature of habit so I kind of like if I do the same thing and it works I just kind of stick with it and so like okay I always thought I was going to stay in Massachusetts like always but then then I met my wife and we moved up to New Hampshire New Hampshire and I was like shit in my pants like moving up to New Hampshire and I'm like okay it's not that bad and then like the huge jump was like okay my wife got a job down in Georgia. And so I'm sitting here like, do I go with her or do I just stay here? Like, What are
1: the ages of these? Like what are, what is the age that you uh, first move out of Massachusetts? And then what age were you when you went to Georgia?
0: Um, so I moved, right when I turned 30, I moved and moved to New Hampshire. And so from like okay. 30 to 34, we stayed in New Hampshire, but I was like working in Massachusetts the whole time. So it's kind of like, It wasn't that bad. And then all of a sudden, like when I turned like 34 that summer, my wife and I and my three month old son drove down to Georgia with our dog too. And so that was like right before I turned like 35 and became a diabetic. And so that's, I was so nervous because I had this like old Ford 500, this like jalopy of a car. And I'm like, just like, I prayed before we left our house in New Hampshire because I didn't know, because I didn't think my car was going to make it. Mm-hmm. so I, we like, I prayed, I was like, okay, you know, let's have a safe trip, you know, with the dog and, and the whole family. And it was, you know, it was a big step, but I, I I'm glad I did. Cause I do not miss the winners whatsoever.
1: <laughs> so did you have a job set up when like, no, that was a terrifying time in your life. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And you, you said you 34 when you did that. Yeah. I think that's so cool to just speak to individual because I mean, like, it's just so relatable for so many people. Where you get up into your thirties and you're like, I'm supposed to like have it figured out, and then you like, no, I, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah literally, I, no one does. I, I still
0: don't. I'm 43 and I still don't. Sometimes, but you know, it, it's it was crazy because like, and then all of a sudden, I moved down there and I finally landed a job at a hospital, and then I became a diabetic, and so that was like another traumatizing thing. And I'm just like sitting in the car driving home, and I'm like, okay, what what do I do? what do I do? And just kind of roll with the punches and went with it. So.
1: Oh my gosh. And the diabetes, I mean, that's your type one. And so what would you, I know I'm flipping this back on you and I'm sorry, but I'm curious. <laughs> no, like, what, It's okay. It's okay. Like, what are the, the big impacts that I, I'm sure you could actually answer that at much more length, but like the, the biggest changes that occurred in your own lifestyle, as soon as you recognized that you were diabetic
0: diet, first thing because i chocolate chip cookies were like my go-to on sundays i would eat those like all the time and now it's like just almost non-existent now and then um so when i when i became a type 1 diabetic i lost like 23 pounds in like a couple weeks and because i was just like going to the bathroom and like five five times a night and then Mm -hmm. peeing all through the day and just like drinking like a large amount of like fluids like oh i thought i thought drinking oj would be great because it just like kill the you know the the being the being parched and they actually made it like 10 times worse because of the sugar yeah. and so Gosh. yeah it was. and insane. you work with
1: children who have diabetes which is so cool because the children i mean like even adults like you're an adult who got you know and like and you're you work in a medical profession so you even mm-hmm. had a good understanding of what was going on and it still caused you problems i certainly know of you know friends growing up or you like like with kids i mean they even adults they don't know and they're going to make mistakes but like kids they really have no clue yeah and they just want to participate right
0: yeah pretty much and they, you can also got to figure out their hormones are also another factor into their diabetes because once once like the hormones start kicking in then the you know diabetes like the blood sugar starts like spiking and you can't bring it down and it's just like it's it's just like a you you're literally thinking of numbers 24/7 and I I literally have a piece, a piece of equipment like on my stomach and it's yep. connected to my phone. And I just like literally look at the numbers every single time. And then like, you'll see that you'll have times where like, you're up to like the two fifties or two seventies and you're going up and you take insulin and it's like still going up and you're like, all right, you know, and then you take more then it's still going up. And then it like kind of flatlines and you're just like, it's just, it's, it's stressful sometimes it it's mm-hmm. so stressful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's I mean, what is, so since this is like your thing, you'll you'll I mean, what are the numbers of individuals say like, you know, within the US perhaps, uh living with type 1 diabetes?
0: Uh, I know so I know I the last time I checked the this uh, the data on this. So 60% of type 1 di- nuance at diabetics are over 30. Okay? And so typically like everyone says like, Oh, you're like, you didn't get it as a kid and stuff like that. Like, no, it, it happens. Sometimes it happens like later on in life. And mm-hmm. so, and then like the 40% is like all like under the age of like 30 or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many diabetics are, are worldwide. I mean, I know it's like, I think it's like 0.05 of the whole population of the, of the world. So it's like a, very... see a
1: load of people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. True. But like, yeah. it's, it's weird because like, the type, the diabetes community is it is it's almost like CrossFit. Think of it as a as a CrossFit community where like if someone has a question on diabetes or like if someone is like needing help finding something like there's so many people that can give you the opportunity to kind of you know lead you in the right direction. Like I I had this girl. She was a diabetic when I just started out. I had like a um, the freestyle Libre, that big like disc that goes on on the back of the arm. And Mm -hmm. it was a 120 point gap from when I pricked my finger and check my blood through that and the, in the Libre. And so I asked this girl from South Africa, I'm like, Hey, have you seen this before? And so she literally posted it in our stories and literally like 20, 20 or 25 people responded to me saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, this, this, this happens like all the time. So you gotta, it's like a 15 minute delay, but yeah, everyone's like super, super helpful with one another. So,
1: Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's, that's awesome. It's, it's not entirely surprising you, you share this thing that Mm -hmm. makes you, you know, very unique and, and, and it's scary. It's like you said, the idea of living off off of these numbers, knowing that if I tip too far this direction, I'm in actual trouble. Like that's scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's been times I've woken up at like four hundred, like middle of the night with like 400 plus like for my blood sugar. And I'm sitting there like the hell happened. Right. Yeah.
1: Trying to figure it out. Yep. I I can certainly, my, my dad definitely has a, I mean, currently he he has sick days regularly and, Mm -hmm. and I've been present for, for when they onset before. And I'm just like, that looks extremely uncomfortable. Like it looks miserable. And he just, you know, he knows the things that work for him to deal with the situation and get it to calm back down. But it's just rough. And, and his is unique in the sense of the fact that it is type two, although I say it's unique and actually there's loads of type two diabetics out there. Right. But, um, but you know, that, that, that that that's something he has to deal with now. I mean, he, he, there's, there's no going back from it now. And, and I certainly, I remember a story years ago that I like, and this is actually, this is funny. We'll we'll do this. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) so my dad, I grew up eating these like cobblers and these like cast iron, and I actually, I've posted a video before of me mimicking how he made them. And so if, if people are watching this video, they'll be able to see, I'll like do it. But anyway, his way of making it is he lines the thing with the crust and then he puts in the apples or the blackberries or whatever it is. And then he takes the bag, the bag of granulated white sugar, the big bag and just holds it over his like sternum belly and just shakes the whole, I mean, his whole body's moving with it until everything is completely covered. And then like whole sticks of butter and just layers it until it's done. Anyway, this is what I grew up with. I Mm -hmm. grew up loving this dish. I don't know any better. I'm a child being fed sugar. I'm happy.
0: Uh, And
1: so anyway, after he was, you know, now insulin dependent and underwent some, the the open heart surgery is really where where things changed. Anyway, he could no longer consume sugar in the ways that he used to. So one year for Thanksgiving, he tried to make a sugar-free variation of
0: (laughs) one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And this man got his first bite. No one else had had any yet. And he takes one bite throws his fork onto the plate or spoon or whatever, shoves his plate forward, like shoves himself out from the kitchen table or the dining room table. It's like Thanksgiving. He goes and picks up the entire cast iron from the the dessert table because yes, we have a dessert table still to this day. And I enjoy it at like doses that are a lot more okay for me to like have a good relationship with food. Anyway, Mm -hmm. he goes and picks up the whole thing, goes out the back door and flings it off the porch into the yard. And like we're like, what if anyone else enjoyed that? Also, now we have to go get this dish out of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, no one else is gonna like it. It's trash. And I'm like, okay, Dad. Anyway, I hope that whoever heard that got a cake out of it. I loved it. <laughs> that's a good story. That
0: that's a really good story because like, it's funny because like when when I switched to like sugar free and like all that stuff, it was just like mm. the first first little while it was just like the taste was so bad. But then yeah. like you get used to it. It's just like, mm. w- whatever. Just roll with yeah. the punches.
1: Well, and there are more options available today. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. that one of the things I'm sure that you have to deal with with the sugar-free thing is like, what is the substitution of the sugar? And is it one that's actually also harmful or is this one okay? Because okay is available and harmful is available.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yeah, it's so, crazy. Sorry. Like, <laughs> it's crazy what kind of chemicals are in some of the, some of the foods we eat. It's insane.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that goes for whether you can have sugar or not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, you said you worked at IHOP, uh, before, for a little yeah. while. So, um, obviously you said you were like, I, I listened to the first ever podcast you would had. Yeah. Right. Today. And so, cause I was like, I was like, I just want to make sure I got like all the notes and everything like that. So, um, and like you were eating like fry foods and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And was that like, was that like a bad time for you for like, with like food wise or kind of how, how was that situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up on fried chicken. And so I didn't, you know, we didn't know the term protein. I mean, we didn't know what a macronutrient was, what's a calorie I mean, that vocabulary did not exist in my household. And we ate every meal out and we ate dessert every dinner and typically at lunch as well. And so you know, I grew up on Little Debbie's, I grew up on all of it and had no awareness of, the dangers of that Mm -hmm. diet. And to be honest, you know, I mean, our, like my parents' generation, this stuff all started to exist when they were coming up, you know? So, so they didn't have the awareness that they now have about food. So anyway, I grew up like that. And then I'm 18 years old and I get out of high school uh, and I just start to gain weight. And so I had always been like, even though I didn't play sports or anything, I was always pretty active. And so when I started to gain weight, I want to say maybe within the first six months after graduating from high school, I believe I put on like 15 pounds of, mm-hmm. you know, just fat. And so I recognized the trend was occurring, what felt like rapidly and that I didn't want to do it. You know, there mm-hmm. were, there were things as, as simple, but noticeable as like my mobility, you know? So yeah. <laughs> 18 year old Claire was not using the term mobility. Okay. (laughs) But, but I do know that when I'm laying down in bed and I'm curling up into a ball, my stomach is touching my legs now earlier than it ever has before. Right. Mm -hmm. Things like that, that made me uncomfortable. I'm also a woman and everyone cares what they look like. I think, you know, for them, like we all want to look good. Right. But you know, that, that was another thing for me was I want to, I want to, feel like when I walk in the room, like I'm proud of who walked in the room and I'm not feeling that way anymore. And so I've got to do something about this. And so nutrition was the first entry point. And then, and then the fitness stuff came later and, and then it was a journey. And so then I developed cute little eating disorders and I say cute little ones, it's very rough, uh, but you know, binge eating and bulimia and orthorexia and all that fun stuff uh, and just kind of navigated my way through that um, for, for most of my twenties.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, my sister, actually, uh, my middle sister, so I have three younger sisters, and so the middle one had an eating disorder because her Irish step dancing coach told her that she was too fat and she needed to lose weight, and so okay. that just triggered it. So she wouldn't eat, and she'd be, like, passing out, like, in school and stuff like that, and she just wouldn't eat, period. And so kind of seeing, like, what she had to deal with and stuff like that, and then we, br- we had to bring her to, like, a group home to kind of, like, you know, you know, rehabilitate her back to like you know eating normal and stuff like that and she still has episodes some once in a while but like just seeing my parents and like how much like you know what they went through and even me too just kind of seeing like you know what she's going through and how tough it was for us to see the way she was like so it it was it was that kind of like what your parents were thinking too
1: yeah i mean i think in hindsight they have a lot of emotions tied to my sister's morbid obesity, uh, growing up. And so she is not anymore, but she still has to, you know, all this stuff that you don't just like, it's gone. I Mm -hmm. mean, all of this stuff that was built in. So for your sister, it was a coach telling her that she was overweight when she wasn't or whatever. And there are so many, I coach actually clients with nutrition a lot today. And, and so often I get women that, were told by their coaches or whatever growing up that, that they were, uh, you know, thanks to the BMI scale, all of these things that are untrue and they couldn't yeah. compete unless they were under this number of pounds on the scale. And so all of these ideas that are just so broken. Uh, but you know, I think that one of the things we have to like really look at, and so this is even for a diabetic person, it's like, you know, for me, I recognize that my relationship with alcohol was really not serving me. And so I had the opportunity to say, and I did not know that I was capable of this at that time, but have learned that I am and that anyone is with the right tools could close that door. Mm -hmm. I could say, okay, you know what? Me Me and alcohol, we interact differently and I make messes. And so I don't have to ever drink again. I don't have to ever drink alcohol again. And so that requires me to have a recovery program and things like that. But I have that option. Food, we don't get to run away. Like for the rest of our lives, we have to eat food to live. And so to try to continue wherever you are in your journey with it to find a way to have a relationship with food that you can actually enjoy the experience because it's meant to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And instead, we've just been, it's just been so bogged down with misinformation and all sorts of, you know, diet culture and whatever that just really makes it really hard for people to not just have this really messy relationship with food which is so sad but I mean I I get it I I know you because I am you you know
0: yeah yeah yeah. well there's a there's another kind of eating disorder a little bit too so with 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 diabetics it's I've I've seen it firsthand so um what people would do is they would like eat sugary drinks or like drink like just eat like just absolute garbage and not take Mm -hmm. insulin and so what they would do is their, their blood sugar would be so high that they would literally pee everything out to lose weight that way. And so there was like one, one kid, he was like 20, 21 or something like that, 20 or 21. And like, he was like a heavy set kid, became a type one diabetic and realized that he can get high blood sugar and just like lose the weight that way through like, you know, going to the bathroom and stuff like that. And so, and I was like, Hey man, like what's, what's your deal? Like, what, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I, I, I've been feeling good so i haven't taken my insulin and i'm like dude you gotta like you gotta stop because i know what you're doing and yeah. so he's like what do you mean and he's like i know i know you were overweight before and you're trying to lose weight and this is the way to do it but if you keep this up your kidneys are going to fail you're 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 going to lose your feet you're going to like have no legs and like the like god knows what else could happen to you so
1: that's terrifying and that that last bit that you said is what what People need to know, you know, I mean, if, if that trend actually exists, that it's possible that, and, and can you blame the kid for thinking he found an out to lose some weight when he wanted to lose some weight, you know, like his reasoning for why he was taking the action checked out, but he just, all these repercussions means that like, no, you literally can't do that because all of the repercussions are really bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And so the education around that. Mm -hmm.
0: And he, like his mom would say, yeah, he literally had a whole bottle of Mountain Dew like the day before. And I was like, "What?" And wow. and so that's why how he would like lose weight. He lost like I think it was like 120 pounds by the time he started coming in on a day to day basis because he was in DKA like all the time.
1: Yeah, and DKA will kill you quick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep real yeah, quick real quick that's scary so if, if anybody doesn't know what dk is means di- uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. so i could have said that okay well, yeah i should have i should have <laughs> asked you a qu- <laughs> like a quiz show so what is dka no um
1: diabetic ketoacidosis i only yeah. know that because my father has hung out there before
0: <laughs> i've i knock on wood i've ne- that's never happened to me so i think thank goodness but um but yeah like even like i i don't think diabetics can go keto either because they can from like the ketones that they pee out. So I don't think we're even allowed to do that either. So yeah. don't quote me on that, but I I don't I do not do keto. I don't really care for keto, but it's I don't think we're not allowed to do that.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I certainly am not going to speak to that in any capacity. I can say that I, I have a lot of friends that have done it and it seems like men enjoy it okay and women seem to hate it. It's like a consistent theme I see with people who do it, but mm-hmm. I have never tried keto and certainly do not know if it works for diabetics or not, like if they are even not able
0: to. Yeah. But um I you you originally before um you owned a nutrition store, like re- really, really young. So I mean you're <laughs> quite the entrepreneur, which was like it's it's very kind of scary to kind of see because like when I was your age doing that kind of stuff, like there was no way I'd be able to do mm-hmm. that. So kind of um what what made you get into like, you know, owning your own nutrition store?
1: Oh uh, well, okay, I'm wild. Like, I'm crazy. So (laughs) what you'll notice through my journey professionally is uh, I make a decision and then boom, she's gone. Yep. And and That's like my wife. Like my wife. Yeah. (laughs) Which can make us fun and can also just, Jesus, get get along for the ride. Hope you Mm -hmm. brought your seatbelt. So with the nutrition store, that was that first journey. So I'm working at IHOP. I'm 18 years old. And I find a shake shop. And I discover that they tell me drink two shakes a day, eat a meal, you're gonna lose weight. I do that, I do that rapidly, I feel great. I'm skinnier than I've ever been, this (laughs) works. So then I quite literally convince a friend of mine to drop out of college and put together a business plan and start going to banks and get a local bank to loan us money and then open a nutritional supplement store I don't know, six months later.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So I had that story and what's actually so cool about this, I will say though, is that she has continued in that. Like she's still in my hometown, uh, happily like married kids, mm-hmm. has the store she's moved locations. She has multiple now. It's, she, her life is like beautiful. Killing it. And killing so it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and she's aware of that, you know, you've got to figure out how to live this lifestyle thing. And so mm-hmm. and anyway, um, I'm like really grateful for it for her. But sure enough, one year into that, we, we signed a one-year partnership agreement. And uh, anyway, after one year, I was like, yeah, I think, I think I, I'd like to leave. And, <laughs> and, and part of that was because I was not like I was really feeling like a phony. Mm-hmm. And as in I went to the classes to understand sufficiently to be able to speak about what the products did for you. I could do that. Uh, But I did not yet have, so like I had the head knowledge, but the ability to practically apply to myself, I had not yet figured out. I was literally in year one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so uh, I I left largely because I either did two shakes a day and a meal and was in a severe caloric deficit or I was in a caloric surplus. There was no in between. Mm -hmm. I did not know what that in between looked like. And it took many years of trying to figure that out. So anyway, yeah, I I did do that (laughs) at age 18 literally
0: <laughs> that's 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 crazy that's crazy so um when when did crossfit come about for you
1: 2000 what's here i started to watch crossfit stuff in like oh nine ten like like Annie days like okay. early Annie days yeah okay i i just managed to catch i mean like at my parents home some some sort of like documentary stuff about Annie and early games and mm-hmm. something with her over in Iceland. And it was all just like, that's so cool. That's so crazy. So I actually started paying attention to the sport many years before I started attending a CrossFit gym. And in 2016 is whenever I started to go to a CrossFit affiliate. And that was the same song and dance as you see throughout my life of seeing these people that have a quality of life that I want and not understanding yep. anything about it, but knowing yeah. I want it. And then so so I joined that CrossFit gym as a way to uh to try to be like them. Like they they were fit, you know, and, and I wanted to be fit and and so I was scared. I actually attempted to join that gym in 2013, lasted a few weeks, maybe twice a week. I would drive around the block and drive home. And then uh yeah, I couldn't do it. Like I it was so intimidating. They were they were athletes and they belonged there is yeah. how I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I had never played a sport, didn't know how to do an air squat. And so I just felt such like I have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm going to get hurt. This is scary, whatever. And then a few years later, I went back and was like, no, you can do this. And then I spent the next few years being really bad at CrossFit, but I kept showing up.
0: Yeah. So were you drinking the Kool-Aid like the second time around, like immediately?
1: I like to say like it, it was slow and steady for me, actually. Okay, I think for the okay. first year I was, I was also a bartender bar manager by this time. So mm-hmm. my, like I'm, I'm living separate lives in a way, you know? And so I would go three days a week for the first year ish. And and I like the social aspect and things like that, but I knew I was bad at it. And I always, I thought I'd always be bad at it. It wasn't until 2020 when things shifted for me in my brain of you could actually be good at this if yeah, you yeah, would yeah, apply yeah. yourself and believe in yourself. But anyway, so you know, four days a week, the next year, so on. So I I like to say, I like started out with like a sip here or there. And then maybe like four years in, I'm fully bathed in the Kool-Aid. Like I'm, 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 I'm in. So yeah, it was a slow journey, but we've, we've been baptized. (laughs) Yeah, And
0: and, and so what, what made you become a a coach?
1: Uh, the coaching bit of it was literally just, I wanted the education. Okay. Is how it all started. And I actually, I refused coaching many times over, um, <laughs> so I almost I like oh Bryson apology my coach from back <laughs> home which I love him he's awesome wonderful amazing coach anyway because he was like yeah but just because other people want to do this doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it I'm like yeah but I, I got other stuff going on and I yeah. don't know so I actually got three certifications uh, L one L two and then a CDP coaches development course which is something that he does which is actually wonderful twelve week super uh, in depth it's great anyway did those before ever actually beginning coaching at all and then wit is who shoved me in the coaching because we had to go to all these gyms and do all of this coaching so next thing you knew, you know i'm doing uh running classes in two to four facilities a day
0: wow and like how many yeah. people would come into those uh facilities
1: i mean, it, I mean it, we went to it was it was pretty wild that uh, the roadshow was and so it varied greatly you would run classes of 10 and you would run classes of 60
0: that's crazy. Like I, I was a group fitness instructor for a while too. And like we had, there was one time I, we had this like really small room. It was like a studio kind of like gym and this, we literally had 25 people and like it was, there was no room for 25 people in this place. And it's like kind of like so crazy. Like to think like, okay, you got to think of the fly. Like, okay, you guys got to go out in the hallway. All right, run steps. Or, or just do all this stuff. And, and like, it's so hard even for like, one person to watch like 12 people let alone like 60 people so how, how, how did you kind of like not get too stressed out and like manage each situation
1: listen if you figure that out you let me know <laughs> <laughs> no well there were there were things there were three of us on the road show so gus okay uh who has wonderful coaching experience Hannah, who also holds an L one or two, and she was a gymnast. And so there were three of us. And so I was I held an L two and had pretty uh, plenty of head knowledge. And honestly, that like I said, that CDP was very in-depth. And it and we built out programming. It was wonderful. So there were three of us. So that made it a lot more digestible of, okay, we can do this. We're doing this together. Yeah. And, but then it, I mean, yes, it was run and gun, and it was, you, you run into the facility, you assess the situation. What's the design of the room? What are we going to, you know, and then you just go with it. And so, it, but, but it was such good experience. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. It felt disorienting, but I'm really <laughs> grateful that they did put me in that role and give me that opportunity because now I can go coach at these different events and do all this stuff and and figure it out on the fly. And as much as I do like to be prepared, you can, you know, in any space, move people through fitness safely if you, you know, just have the right tools.
0: Yeah. So how does, um, you, you're, you have a very bright personality from like what I've seen on your like social media podcasts and all that stuff. And like, it was like, you know, you're very out there. So how does, how does like that your personality kind of, uh, go over to coaching group classes? Does it like, how do you, how do you promote yourself like through, you know, coaching? Yeah.
1: Well, I think we have to address the fact that I'm new here. So that's part of it. Like it is, it is March, 2023. And I did not even start Coaching really until like a year ago. Yeah, so I'm still really new with that. But I mean, I think I had a lot of grooming and the best. Like I'm not kidding when I say Bryce's. I mean, he really worked us over with that course of, of and and I was also just coached by his coaches and by him mm. for so many years that so much of what I choose to do is largely inspired by receiving such high caliber coaching for so many years. Yeah. And so from there, yeah, I infuse my own personality and my own little quips and whatever, you know. Um, but but now I also have stepped outside of that and chosen to get other certifications that have just given me different information that I now implement, uh, such as the, the pain-free performance specialist certification, which it, it's all over the U S and it's an incredible experience. Anybody who gets the opportunity to take that should take that. It's mm. so good. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know with the coaching, I don't even know the answer because we're new here, but figure, I mean, yeah, the, the group coaching stuff is, is just, it's fun. It's high energy. And so you've got to direct people like, like nobody knows what to do with their hands. And so you got to tell them what to do with their hands. And, and, and fill that hour with like safe movement that gets them better, um, that engages them. I mean, there's just, there's so much to it Mm -hmm. and, and really just being thrown in the deep end helped tremendously to like, (laughs) okay, we can do this. Yeah.
0: It's like one of those like things you thought to be like thrown into the wolves to kind of get a gist of like how it works. And then be like, okay, that really didn't quite work out. Let's try a different Avenue and kind (laughs) of, you know, kind of do that. So,
1: yeah. Well, and with group fitness too, you know, one of the things is I think a lot of people really like when they're coaching group fitness, like they want to like get a lot of stuff into that hour, which like, who, you know what I mean? Like give them their, you want to give them their money's worth. Like you want to have fun with it, all of that. But like keeping people moving safely is so important and, and helping them get better is so important and, and more volume doesn't equal better. And so with group fitness stuff, I think that's something that's so great to just kind of always bear in mind when you're programming for classes or anything like that is like, is this designed in a way that these people are going to move safely and get better? Mm -hmm. And, And that doesn't have to look like some, you know, grueling hour, you know, they're lying on the floor at the end. I mean, there are just so many different ways to go about it, which makes it fun.
0: Yeah. And don't get mad at people talking while they're working out
1: yeah that's that's another
0: thing like i used to get so pissed when people were talking they were like just like socializing like you're not working hard enough keep it going and then i'm like yeah but you know you got to realize like this is kind of their free time away from Mm -hmm. family or whatever like you know whatever issues they're dealing with so like talking to a friend is is perfectly okay you know that's Mm that i I always I, i it took me a little while to get to that but that's you know something that's very important that's to think about
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that I didn't mention that is just worth mentioning for group classes is warm them up sufficiently. Yep. And I would even encourage you to cool them down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that that's so, so important. That's something that, you know, in in CrossFit, there are a lot of facilities who do an amazing job of that. Um, And in fact, if you go into like a globo gym, right, you're typically not seeing most people warm up like at all. Mm -hmm. And so we actually incorporate that at most affiliates, which is wonderful. But I really, really do think that giving someone a sufficient warm up and that, I mean, that is part of the workout. And if you do it right, they're working out while they're warming up. And so they're not getting their workout cut short. It's just, it's a really focused, intentional thing in the beginning. And I think that, I hope that that's something everybody focuses on because it's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You, you also have a podcast, like I said earlier. So, which is super cool. Like that. Congratulations. I think we have like 34 episodes in right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think 33, 34, something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, what, what made you kind of get into podcasting?
1: I love doing this. <laughs> it's the most organic form of content creation you could ask me to do. Sit here and have a conversation.
2: Again. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> so it actually was because whenever uh, the relationship with, once I moved to Austin and was no longer employed, like I anticipated being, I had to, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, one of the things I decided to do was, and and I didn't start to create content until last year either, like on yep. Instagram or anything like that until they had simply just casually been like, Hey, would you mind creating some reels, whatever? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so did, and then found it to be a fun creative outlet. So anyway, started to create content last year and podcasts just seemed like the most authentic thing to work into the plan, if you will. And I had all of this energy and needed to put it somewhere and figure it out. So the podcasting, uh, you know, it's funny, I was unpacking some things here the other day and like saw a book that I I read probably over a year ago about podcasting. I've always been fascinated with podcasts. I love them. It's a great way to consume information. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it just, I kind of got my back put against the wall of like needing to figure it out and decided to implement it as a part of my work strategy, whatever. And it's been, it's been well worth it. I mean, even if it never were to make a dime or whatever, just the opportunity, like you talked about to be able to connect with people. Uh, it's just been a gift.
0: Yeah. If like, if you told me three years ago, I get to talk to all these people in the CrossFit space, I'd be like, there's no, there's no way, no way. And then like, like literally I get to sit down and talk to, you know, Uh, Bella Martin I I, I interviewed last last week and so it was like like talking to her like you know like how she met all these like you know CrossFit athletes and it's just like they're regular people but they want to get their story out so like this this is an avenue and you can create like some really great friendships with Mm -hmm. with the majority of them so
1: yeah yeah well and I think that at this point there are so many podcasts available right that's another thing yeah and that's it's very real. I mean, there are so many out there. However, like, look at why you're doing it. You know, if, if it's of interest for someone is, is why you're doing it, because you're going to enjoy the process, because if that's sufficient, then just do it anyway. It's exactly what you talked about, like getting to meet these people, no matter what I already won, because I got to have these experiences. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, the reality is that what is that the cream rises to the top? You know, I mean, it doesn't matter how many there are. If yours is really good, you're going to be this time.
0: Yeah yeah i mean i i haven't really made a dime off of this anyway and i don't care because yeah. it's is yeah. like i just want to learn and get to know people and kind of hear their stories because obviously you know i i interview people that like are sometimes are not really well known in the CrossFit space that that sure. i want to interview and it's like inter- interesting like hearing their stories compared to like you know pat Vellner, which is like would be awesome pat if you want to come on my show more than welcome to uh but like you know just hear like because you know even with justin kotler i interviewed him and we talked about him being a dad and like family life and stuff like that and he's like thank God, like he after, after he was just like you know it's it was nice to actually not talk about crossfit and so yes. it just like in the other side of like you know people crossfitters and like being normal people was like pretty mm-hmm. much the, the one thing that i really do appreciate
1: Mm-hmm yeah Justin Kotler is abnormal though that man is amazing
0: yeah yeah he's awesome <laughs> I think
1: so highly of him
0: yeah he's a good dude R- really good dude and like I, I just give him giving me the you know the an hour and a half just to talk to him is like okay thank you very much for doing this I appreciate it
1: yeah he's really cool I mean I'm sure you guys talked about it all but just the fact that he's like so intent on the space Growing and people getting opportunities, yep, and 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 just being inclusive and and wanting everyone to feel seen and all of that stuff. It's just like, I mean, that, that guy's just built different, and so yeah. it's really cool to see him have the success that he's having with underdogs because he's just a good dude.
0: Yeah, he is. So, is there anybody on your podcast you'd love to have on that you haven't had on yet?
1: Oh, of course. <laughs> I got a list. you want me to go now?
0: <laughs> sure. Give me a couple.
1: <laughs> Let's see here. So people guess, I will say I have been a abundantly fortunate with the guests that I've had on my podcast. Mm-hmm. I still literally am 33 episodes in and I take a look at who has come on and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the ones that, that we had on last year was Brett Contreras and that was so cool. I couldn't believe that he said yes and came on and then which he's the guy that invented the the glue guy for anyone. Yeah. yeah. yeah, He's the glue guy. And, and then, a few months later, I got the opportunity to go just train with him, and in Fort Lauderdale, where he is now, and he's become a friend, and we'll just chat on the phone. You know, it's so it's that's so, that's so cool. Exactly, yeah. the, it's so cool. Yeah. Um. So it's like a that's a high. There's so many high. I mean, I, I have a proximity bias too. So it's like, oh, Marissa Loren was the one that came out last week, and I love her. Been consuming her content for six years, and then we can go back to the previous. One. Well, I love that one because of these reasons. So, as far as guests that I would love to have on, I mean, I'm shooting for the stars. I want them all, you know, I I would love to speak to, this one's kind of an odd one in a way, maybe people wouldn't expect it, but Mike Malak, who is actually the uh, right hand to Logan Paul, impulsive, you know, um, Yeah. yeah, because he has drug addiction history and that's something that's near and dear to my heart as a sober alcoholic and And certainly had my struggles with other substances as well. so anyway, i I would love to get him outside of his bubble that he's in and just have a conversation like selfishly. I would love that. um but I mean, yeah, I, w- I would love to have Alex Cooper from Call Her Daddy. I've loved watching her journey change dramatically, and she's yeah. just done a beautiful job, so I, I respect the hell out of her um. Yeah. I mean, there are so many that like, I I really, I do have a, but what's cool is I have a whole list of these like big asks and I'm asking and I'm going to keep asking. And even, you know, I, I just, I, when I moved to Austin, Lauren Everts, the skinny confidential, do you know who that is?
0: Uh, It sounds familiar. I got to see their face. If I,
1: it's not, it's not in the CrossFit world. Yeah. Well, she, she owns dear media anyway. I've been listening to her, many, many years, her and her husband, they have a, the him and her show Mm -hmm. and it's, it's great. And so I've been listening to that for so many years. They're from California. They moved to Austin during the pandemic. When I moved to Austin, I was like, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. (laughs) And then my now boyfriend, Eric, I've been telling him since we met, I was like, just so you know, that one, like, we're going to be friends. Like we're actually gonna be friends. So I ran into her the other day. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yes. And fully was like, this is it. You know, we were at the mail salon and I just walked up and said, big fan of your work. Just want to let you know, like, I would love the opportunity to, you know, talk to you anytime, whatever. And I just love what you do. Yeah. And so, because you never know if you don't raise your hand. And so, of course, yeah. anyway, that's one that, like, I would love to have her on. And I would just love to develop more of a business relationship. But uh, I believe that that will occur. Like, I, I think that all of these will happen. Mm-hmm. Not only do I want them to happen, like, I believe that they will okay in in due time yeah
0: yeah (laughs) yeah. very cool very cool so um speaking about businesses so you you have sponsorships and stuff like that and so how do you how do you connect with like sponsors and kind of pick the right ones that you want to work with for like content creation or you know anything
1: gosh yeah that's such an individualized journey. I you know, I, I I talked about this actually the very first podcast interview that I ever did for someone else was the Wadproof app, uh Justin Tamani, mm-hmm. who was in the CrossFit space heavily. He yeah. interviewed me when I started to grow on on Instagram and was like, You're the accidental influencer, or whatever. And it was kind of accidentally like, what's going on here? Um, anyway, but we talked about then I said, I'm so grateful that I came in not needing uh, these brands to work with me as in whenever the, we'll just say Tummy D or whatever, you know, whenever all these different ones yeah. see engagement and reach out, right. That I, I feel very grateful that I, I cannot not amount, like th- people do come in and they really do need income. And sometimes, you know, so I'm not here to say how somebody should or shouldn't do a thing. However, I just have chosen to really try to be very mindful of like, Does this resonate with me? Is this actually something that is actively a part of my life already or something I'm genuinely interested in incorporating? Mm -hmm. And so I haven't done it perfectly. I will not do it perfectly moving forward because I'm just a human, but definitely with the brands that I have chosen to align with, I've tried to do my homework. I mean, I could definitely speak to, you know, not individual ones, but I've had a lot of opportunities come across my plate for job offers for sponsorships and things like that, that just do not align, or even I don't know enough. And in some of those, it's like, I would need to get to know you before we could actually really have that conversation and not maybe a year's thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So when you, when you think about the brands that I do work with, um, I, I do, it's important to me to cultivate a relationship with them. Also I've done, I've done it wrong, right? Like I haven't done my homework and I've jumped in and I've been like, Oh, you know so i've done it wrong as well but that's something i try to think about moving forward is like is this somebody that you can be proud to partner with or you yeah. do you align with their values and do they walk their values because mm-hmm. it's one thing to have a poster on a wall and it's a different thing as an organization to actually live by it and that's a tough thing
0: yeah because every everyone says like oh we're this this and this like my, my i keep on saying this in every single podcast my wife has a big follow on on instagram she's got like one hundred sixty thousand followers on, on Instagram, yeah. she's killing it. Like all fashion, all fashion-based. So Sarah, I'm gonna go follow her. I don't yeah, even, yeah.
1: send me her um, account, I'm gonna go follow I, her. I
0: will, I will. So, uh, but like, you, you can imagine like how many, how many people try to reach out to her. I mean, even me with like, I only have like 4,000, which is not a big following, but still like, you'll have like supplement companies or like something else like that. You're not even like nowhere near even aligned or even heard of like, hey, you know, would you like, you know, we'd like to sponsor you for something. And I'm like, I don't know you as a brand. So like, why would I want to even associate with you? Or cause like, I don't even know, you know, what's going on. And like,
1: right. It's tough. Cause it feels flattering too. Like, I think that that's something I've seen, uh, friends come up with and, and i have even, you know, whenever a brand approaches you, it's like, Oh, they like me, mm-hmm. you know? Oh. And then, and said, so, well, could this work? And so, yeah, I just, I think that, to try, And this is like literally a conversation I have with myself actively today and yeah. we'll still screw mm-hmm. this up, I'm sure, you know, but like, okay, wait a second. What, like, do I know anyone here? And then like cultivating a relationship first, I've really appreciated, for example, a brand that I've gotten to do some work with that I'm just like, stoked on is 5.11. And that one's not even like a super publicly known one as far as like, there are some that you could go to my page and easily see that I work with. And 5.11, you may not immediately know, but they have been absolutely wonderful to me. I love the community that they cater to. I love yeah. what they do. And everybody that I've dealt with from store managers, um, you know, employees at stores, even all the way up to the, you know, the heads of their marketing department and everything. Like they've been, and and it's been an ongoing conversation there. And so it's just really cool. Cause we started to have a conversation early last year and it's just been this slow build. And I mean, that, I think that's so cool when a brand approaches something in that like authentic organic way. And they're like, yeah, we want to get to know you too.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. That
1: actually, that resonates with me. Like, Oh, you don't just want to immediately send me some offer without knowing anything about me. Yeah. You want to actually <laughs> get to know me. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So like, that's one I'm, I'm, stoked on getting to be involved with in any way because i love the way they're approaching
0: that yeah i love the ones that like so originally like my my name on, on instagram was type one lifting and so i changed it to my full name and i'm like they're like hey type one lifting and i'm like okay you really don't know my name so i am not going to associate with you like <laughs> just copy
2: and paste just
0: block and delete so see you later yeah, yeah, I, yeah it's it's crazy like how what people would do just to get something so out of mm-hmm. you but um i i did forget to ask you one question on the podcast spot so you actually were doing a podcast at waterpalooza yeah how was that so i (laughs) i've always wanted to go to waterpalooza like that was like the one that's like on my bucket list but like what was it like podcasting on a stage in front of people in like kind of like out of nowhere like not scripted or anything
1: life is surreal my whole life i look around Two years ago, I'm not even two years over yet. Two years ago, I was a drunk mess. That's the truth. Like my my whole life feels surreal. Now I've been doing hard work
2: Mm -hmm. to
1: get here. You know, I need to continue to do hard work to continue to have these opportunities. But anyway, so all of it feels surreal. And that certainly did. That was my second year going to Wadapalooza. You want to go? Let me encourage you go. It's the best. It's, I mean, even if you don't work it and you just spectate, whatever you do it's amazing. Uh, the event is rad. So getting the opportunity, yes, to podcast on the stage was, it was just surreal. The whole mm-hmm. thing, there were just so many details. I mean, like, you know, just the the people that I get to call friend today and, and part of that rogue invitational was actually the first event that I got to be a part of as my own podcast. And so that was a huge step in the right direction professionally for, for myself because once I was no longer working for a brand, then it was like, Oh, but like, okay, well, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and so <laughs> yeah. then for for Rogue to get to do that, and then Wadapalooza also to to get the opportunity to do that was just like okay, this is really really um just special. And so I just like try to be present and appreciate it, and do something meaningful with it to the best of your ability. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else to do with that. It was cool.
0: Very cool. Very cool. That yeah, that's that's what I, I would love to do. Have my podcast on there. So I I ever I talked to Wex, and I'm like. I would love to do it if it's a possibility. Who knows?
1: What I was going to say is, you. I know that you know Wex and just talk to him. And I don't know how they set that up. What they? I don't know the back end of that whatsoever. But Wex is definitely the guy to speak to about it.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to content creation. So obviously, like you know, there may be a possibility of like TikTok being banned and stuff like that. So where are you never going to hear about this? Like the, the government supposedly wants to sh- supposedly shut it down or something like that. But yeah. um, where where do you see like social media going to like is it more like towards like the TikTok style like shorts because i know youtube does shorts where like you know you could actually get some big big following on youtube but like where where do you think it's going is or is it going back to like the typical pictures on instagram and stuff
1: so great question i don't have a crystal ball um (laughs) but no i love the question this is great you know, to be thinking about Eric in the background, yeah, Eric. <laughs> um, but so, I think that in general, I think all the platforms are really unique. So I will say, we just had South by Southwest here in Austin, Texas, and I swear this year's theme for that event was mm. AI. Okay, AI is the new hot thing. People, I mean. People are all writing their newsletters entirely with AI. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Their content strategies are coming from AI. So I think that learning to use AI if you're in the content creation space is probably pretty important for the future. Yep. Um for now and moving forward. Other than that, I mean, yeah, the the attention span shortening is not really getting better that we are aware of, I have adapted to consuming that way because that's what's provided. Right. And so even I, but then, but then, so that's, do I think that short form content is not getting less popular, but getting more popular? Yeah. I think it's getting more popular. Um, it's so cool how people who used to just create long videos, Now we'll often still create the long video, but they'll condense it down. You know, there's there's this friend of mine, the the flexible dieting lifestyle, Zach Reschelow, amazing content. If you want to accidentally follow down fall down the rabbit hole, and like he he has just done an amazing job. He started out as a YouTuber, okay. And I, I hope I'm telling the story correctly. He's wonderful. Anyway, and I mean, but he's got nearly a million on TikTok and nearly a million on. Instagram. And I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands on YouTube. I mean, he's got a very large personal brand. He's been working on it for many years. When TikTok started to come about, he was years into his journey of creation, specifically with YouTube had come over to Instagram, things like that. And when this short form thing came to be, he was like, I make recipes. Mm -hmm. Like I make food. How am I going to make short form content? And then all of a sudden he figured it out and he crushed it. I mean, he is, he is just one of the best creators for short form recipe content. He figured it out. The point I guess is that like, if short form's not going anywhere, like you got to figure out how to make short form that works for you. Right. But, uh, I do believe also that long form content is extremely relevant as well, because, I also now suddenly feel like this is just like a name drop thing, but I had the fortune last year to meet Reed Dutcher, which is the, uh, he's um, manages Mr. Beast. Mm -hmm. And so obviously Mr. Beast is the number one YouTuber in the world. So I've gotten to consume his podcast, which is incredible for, education for any creator i mean what he speaks is just incredible but i've gotten to have a lot of conversation with him which i just so appreciate and so hearing from his perspective when he goes to all of these conferences and whatnot about brand building and so Mm -hmm. for a creator to build brand you have this short form tiktok situation swipe content where it's just giving it's feeding it to you so you've consumed potentially copious amounts of Different stuff on TikTok, but you don't even remember the name of the creator. Like you don't even, you don't know anything about them. Brand building on TikTok is harder, not impossible, harder. Go over to YouTube. If you can get somebody to watch you for any length of time, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes of a video, whatever, like they're your friend now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that podcast also falls under that long form. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting thing to be aware of. And I also am very new here and just like wheeling and dealing. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like I'm speaking guns a blazing. <laughs> yeah. From the creators that I've gotten to be friends that have been doing it for many years. And also my boyfriend, Eric has been consuming for, or I'm sorry, has been creating for a number of years now. And, you know, I've on instagram alone he's b- built he's killing up, it you know, killing it he's yeah and it's great content i mean he's he, it's been so fun when we first got to know one another to see like oh he's so creative like behind the lens he's creative and in front of it and the way that he moves like it's also he's fun to watch create um and he's feeling very invigorated with it so i'm very excited to see what comes next for him because he's mm. in a mood so that'll be fun <laughs> um but anyway so i don't know i think that i think with content like you know, if you want to create content, you just need to do it. Uh, You just need to do it. And you'll figure it out as you go. And, and is it resonating with you? Are you having fun with it? You know, when I first started create, I got made fun of a lot, because I had no following. And, uh, and and even still, that's like a weird thing to me. It's my community. And I like, I just love people. I don't know the following thing's weird. Anyway, but there was no one following. And so there was no legitimacy like to it. Really, so I would create these videos, and and people would take video of me taking video of myself in Oklahoma and laugh at me and put it in group chats. And I knew about all of it. And fortunately, those people had dragged me hard enough already through other experiences that I was like, "What you think of me can't be my next star anymore. Mm-hmm. They can't." Yeah. And so, if what I'm doing is a fun creative outlet for me, and I'm not hurting anyone, then I- I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay. Like I'm gonna do it anyway. So if you're wanting to create content and it resonates with you. Go create your content. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun with it. You'll get better as you go on.
0: Yep, definitely. Definitely. And you'll
1: have fun along the way.
0: Yeah. So. All right. So we're we're at the rapid fire question mark. So I mean, I could we could have gone on a full tangent. I I think we probably could have gone another hour like Savan. but what uh I only do to try <laughs> to do like really lowest th- not like try to get the hour hour range. But anyway, um so do you obviously it's kind of like the beginning of the year. So do you have any goals that you wanna hit by the end of the year? It could be like personal or business-wise.
1: Ooh, okay. Let's see here. Goals that I want to hit. I, I really want to focus energy on. I I'm, My goals are enjoying content creation. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I definitely got really sidetracked with a number of different roles. And as a result, felt like I needed to maintain this thing, but didn't give it the energy that I want to. So goals-wise, I'm just excited to... Put more energy into creation in a way that, that resonates with me. I'm really pumped up about that. Other than that, I have, you know, physical goals is I'm actually like working on growing my lower body. So I'm actually doing specific bodybuilding workouts for lower body. I also still do my CrossFit netcons multiple days a week because I love CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway, so I mean like physical goals, I think is actually for the first time ever, it's, it's more of a, like a a body composition thing, but okay. like a healthy one. Like, I think it's a fun project. And I started even doing it because I have clients that want it. And so I was like, I guess I'll just test on myself. Yeah. So it's become fun. So, so those are goals. I'm going to run another high rocks in November. And, and I think that, uh, it might be nice to become a better runner between now and then, but, but we've got plenty of time. So professional goals. Mm, I want the podcast to just kill it. Blow up. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to just, yeah. But I'm having so much fun with it. I think that that's, that's the thing with me and goals where I don't know that I'm the best about those because I'm so process-driven. Like I want to enjoy every step of the way mm-hmm. far more than like this arbitrary number that doesn't really make me feel any type of way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there like a set like download number that you want to hit or is it just kind of see where it goes?
1: Ooh, by the end of the year?
0: Yeah. We're
1: just over 70,000. So- <sighs> Jesus. I know. Um, so I don't. I I don't know. I this is a great question. This is where like I need a mentor that's going to help me with this kind of stuff. That's going to be like, here's what your should, goal should be. Because I'm like, I just want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I mean, it'd be great if if that number by the end of the year was I don't know 300. That'd be incredible.
0: Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um. So, um, what is your favorite book?
1: Favorite book. Mm. Mm. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins is a really good book. Okay. It's a great read. Um, Another one that I really like is What Happened to You, which was a collaboration between Oprah Winfrey and a doctor. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but it's a really cool conversation between the two of them talking about trauma and healing from a perspective of someone who's interviewed thousands of people and focuses on that. And then a doctor who has the scientific understanding. It's a really cool book. Okay, um, And then maybe Untamed by Glennon Doyle. You asked for one and I gave you three.
0: It's all good. I, I, I'll take that. <laughs> so um, what what is in your gym bag?
1: A oh, lot, all sorts of stuff, a <laughs> lacrosse ball, <laughs> a band, um, one knee sleeve, Usually, I think there are currently three grips in there. I only need two grips. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I have one, and sometimes I have three, and sometimes they're both right hands. And So there are grips, <laughs> gymnastics <laughs> grips. Uh, there's usually a backup pair of socks and shorts and bra, whatever, because we get in saunas all the time and ice baths. So we always need up, backups of those. Anything fun in there? There's aminos. There's aminos in there. There's a a, in there. Um, a lot of times there's a. Uh, no lifters, yeah. Okay. No lifters. I I really got on that trend when I went on the road last year of just doing everything in the same shoe. So okay. my my rads are what I do everything in. My ollie coach, he's driven nuts by me. He's like, please wear your shoes. I do have <laughs> them um, somewhere. No, <laughs> I wear my rads for training, and then I wear those the cane recovery shoes. I like actually love wearing them, so I I wear those a lot too.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So this one, this one, we're going to go a little bit deep. So let's just say it's your last day on earth and all your friends are around you. How do you want people to know you as
1: Mm. I think I want them to know that I believe in them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, like, I think that I just want to like make them feel really capable. OK, so I mean, that, that would just like I don't know, I guess what that day would look like would just be a lot of like hearing people like li- like listening to them and trying to encourage them. And this is like a best case scenario thing, of you know, but like, I-, I don't know, how would I want to be remembered? I mean, I- I'd want them to hopefully think that I was like a value add in their life and that I like gave a shit. And yeah.
0: Okay. I like that. I like that. So um, where could people reach out to you if they have any questions regarding like podcasting, uh, social media, like even coaching or anything like that?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that. And thank you for doing this podcast, by the way. it's Doing podcasts is so cool. And I really appreciate you reaching out to me and taking the time to do this and all everyone that you like, the, the platform that you've given everyone else is meaningful. And so like, this is as much as like, this is your thing. And like, you're getting there, like you're giving you our time. And so thank you for doing that. Well, I appreciate um, it.
0: And <laughs> send me your the- wife
1: because I want to follow her.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, but other than that, yeah, know where people can find me is at Claire Bay. It's just my name. So if you go to, Instagram is currently the biggest platform at this time. Mm -hmm. And so just literally at C-L-A-I-R-E-B-A-Y-S. And then there, the current link in bio is straight to my wellness coaching platform. And so that's a really cool thing. There's low ticket, high ticket. You can do one-on-one with me and we'll do an interview to set that up. Or you can do the group coaching. We do group coaching calls every week and it's all got that all of your nutrition is in there and all of your movement is in there. So it's individualized programming for both movement and, uh, and nutrition as well as all that mindset stuff that we work through. So anyway, that's where they can find me for the coaching stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, there's always all sorts of events going on and I'll be in Vegas here soon, actually Nashville before that, but in Vegas coaching randomly, I'm so excited about that. So um, we'll just be bebopping.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, well, thank you yeah. for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. And like learning Oh, hearing your, oh, what?
1: The podcast conversation. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, yes. I feel, they can yeah, find you me in them.
1: conversations with <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay go ahead go ahead sorry i well, well, that one no you're good i mean that's that's the main important one so um but yeah thank you for coming on like obviously like learning about you and try like there is so much more that we can uncover like you know in another time but you know thank you for doing this i really do appreciate it
1: i appreciate your time and i really thank you to xander again for connecting us because that was just i mean that connect made was like oh yes absolutely done you know and so I'm thankful for him. And then, yeah, if you ever want to dive deeper on any individual topics or anything, you know, I'm I'm happy to come hang out again. But other than that, I'm just excited to start to see what you're up to, and I'm here to support you back. So
0: appreciate it. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell Lex. So I'll put in a good word for you. I don't know what it'll do because I don't know how it works, but I'll at least say <laughs> <laughs> something.
0: Right, I'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you so much.